Hello everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer by the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. Get it. And I'm Vern Value. And we are Wall Street analysts, uh, longtime career analysts that have gone underground to bring you our candid views on stocks. We get together every Friday and we review the current edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, which we've been doing for years, <clears throat> trolling for new ideas. And uh, we just now record that for entertainment purposes only. And uh, we, uh, we get together every week. Please check out a lot of uh, detail about us on our website, www.thevalueguys.com. And uh, you'll see lots of disclosures there. Please don't rely on anything we say because we could get this completely wrong. Uh, but we are trying to get these uh, opinions very right, even though it is for entertainment purposes only. Uh, we, uh, we use Value Line as a resource. We are not affiliated with Value Line in any way, although we are big fans of the service and have been uh, using the service for years. This week, we're going to review uh, the June 9th edition of the Value Line Investment Survey. And uh, Vern uh, will be going first this week. I'll be back about midway through the show to talk about uh, some transportation names this week, J.B. Hunt, Burlington Northern, and then swing over and look at some information services companies, Equifax, Dun & Bradstreet, and a couple of others. But right now, let me introduce my colleague, Vern Value. Vern. Your <coughs> secret colleague. Secret identity. Secret, right. secret, secret. I think somebody wisely said a couple shows ago. Yeah. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, some names in the air transport industry where uh, uh, the airline stocks are up huge off of uh, really their backs. And uh, my guess is largely on the momentum value uh, line rates, several of those. Well, um, the industrial services industry is what we're going to lead off with, one name that re uh, relates to air transport. Then we're going to talk about some restaurants, Sabre Holdings. Um, really, I think probably my favorite um, idea that we had this week, rated uh, three on uh, Value Line's scorecard, probably in part because stock's been weak so far this year. They're showing a recent price between $21 and $22, and uh, it's traded apparently close to $26 earlier this year. Uh, at this price, about 13 times earnings, so a pretty large 25% discount to the market and pays a nearly 2% yield. Uh, if you don't know who Sabre Holdings uh, is, they, uh, well, as Value Line says so eloquently, they offer solutions to travel providers. That's the old airline reservation business. Right. Out of the so American they, Airlines. Out of American Airlines, that's yeah. right. Um, and uh, what developed out of that then was a consumer business called Travelocity that you very well might have used. Is that right? I have. That um, came out of that? that? I had no idea. And that's 30% of what Sabre is. Sabre's $2.8 market cap. Symbol is TSG. Um, what? The Sabre Group, probably. Um, and uh, what do we see here? Well, I, you know, 13 times earnings. I see about seven times their cash flow number. Um, the uh, earnings growth looks uh, fairly credible. They're not asking for too much, but it is double digit. They've got greater than 10% revenue growth here. Um, operating margins it, were higher in the 90s. The industry is changing. There is, and as uh, Value Line points out, there is uh, pressure on margins. Revenue seem to just be continuing to go up, however, uh, and on some revenue because um, some of the uh, some of the airlines are taking this or trying to bring this service in house. The online um, uh, electronic world of airline reservation systems. Uh, yet, as you point out so eloquently, Val, in your uh, own unique Val kind of way, 
um, the, you know, it's still growing and constantly every year practically, uh, as long as you have a decent operating environment. Um, so down with recession, but has come back. So cyclical business, but trading at a pretty significant discount to the market. Um, what do we have here in, uh, in addition? Uh, we got 31%, remember, that is uh, Travelocity, grew by 59% in the first quarter. And within wow. that, their non-air revenue business was up 90% fueled by the sale of package deals. This comes back to a theme that we talked about last week, I think, when we talked about Expedia as an idea. Uh, people don't have traditional travel agents to go to anymore, uh, and they need help with making uh, uh, reservations and travel arrangements in a very complicated world where they know everybody else is using the internet to get the best deal and to get the nicest room and the cheapest ticket and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, those providers that can provide a package solution and basically sell you the arrangements for an entire vacation Well, who's the customer hold for up these well. uh, people? I don't get that. Uh, for who? For, for Sabre. Sabre Holdings. Uh, for Sabre, they... Travel uh, provider. So yeah, they're providing... Right. They, they sell to the travel agent. Yeah, so as a, as they uh, as travel agent goes away, they have a business that's displacing that. And uh, in the meantime, in uh, response to this threat from the airlines taking the business in-house, they've got some long-term contracts, apparently, with Con Continental, United, Delta, KLM, and others, I gather. So... Um, and they also have agreements with three of the top four largest third-party travel websites. So other internet-based business models that need somebody to They actually, become the engine to that. Right. They're the ex they execute everything. Interesting. So they're the back office. So it's a demographic play really as well. Travel. These guys are running a lot of the, as, as the move is to people to figure this out themselves at home, they're the engine behind all uh, Steady business, value lines forecasting, uh, 9% uh, top line and 11% bottom line compounded growth over the next five years. Now, the problem Expedia had a few weeks ago, people yeah. concerned about this going back to airlines, these guys are running that as well, right? I'm sorry? Sa Sabre runs the systems at the airlines as well. Yes, that's right. Okay, so they actually transcend the problem that Expedia is having where people Sabre, are going Sabre to... Sabre basically is the industry yeah. in a sense. They've, they've, you know, they're the complete package so uh we like the yeah we like the demographics and uh, we like it as a service model and it looks relatively cheap because it does generate decent returns they've got um uh looks like uh, return on capital stabilized around 10 percent or so uh with operating margins in the uh high teens yeah. approaching 20 percent so a nice business at a very uh, attractive Perfect. price perfect uh, stuff. isn't that kind yeah, of what i think we're, that's we're exactly that kind of thing aren't it's we? a franchise I, I forget what is our uh, they help improve the productivity of people <laughs> Uh, just to have some, good have some fun. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, right. good stocks, okay. whatever. Well, uh, all right. I, I, well, let's not I barely know about many of these. Um, you know, I looked at the I looked at the airlines. I, I looked carefully. Um, I, there's not a lot there. I, but you've got FedEx and United Parcel Service. When you're losing UPS. share to walking, that's a problem um, for your industry. <laughs> <laughs> well, these guys, these guys carry freight, and they're taking share, and okay. there's still somebody out there that's relatively weaker than they are, that has a lot of freight share to give up. You might. Can you guess who I'm talking about? Greyhound? No, the United States Postal ah, Service. Oh, yes. Um, and well, same in, thing. In some, in some part, the question is, which one of these companies is going to be the successor to the post office? Um, I looked at FedEx first uh, because, naturally, my eye was drawn, drawn to uh, the lower P.E. ratio. The value line showing FedEx at uh, a little under 17 times, so a little under the market. 
Um, stock at about 109, um, 100 down from 120 apparently a little earlier this year, but that's the uh, all-time high. It's about 30 times free cash flow. It's uh, more like nine to ten times value lines measure of cash, you know, gross cash flow. Um, it, it definitely shows very attractive earnings growth. Operating margins in the uh, what? 12 to 13 percent range for all the years that value line shows. Only their forecast ex expansion to 14 to 15. I, I'm not sure why necessarily I expect that to happen, but okay. Uh, return on capital, it looks like it's moving Well, into they're the continuing to get synergies from their international expansion. They put a lot of assets on the ground a few years ago, and uh, they were very underutilized, and also in ground. They're still improving their uh, capacity utilization. So they, they put a lot of money out a few years ago, and, uh, you know, the street was pretty concerned about them. But they turned it around. They, uh, they improved their ROI, and... Uh, I think their uh, incremental return on each dollar of sales is pretty high right now. Yeah, well, they were. you're right. They were going in the wrong direction, and now they've kind of turned that around. Uh, balance sheet doesn't have a lot of leverage. they got plenty of cash. Mm -hmm. Value line talks about expanding margins. Um, so, I, you know, they rated a two. I think it looks like a you know, pretty good business. The chart does nothing except basically go straight up. Um, based on the underlying share shift in the market. What does it take to be a one over there? Because um, look at that. It's, uh, you know, people are using uh, uh, carts with oxen less, and uh, they're using uh, canal boats less, and they're using air It's freight 10 more. times cash flow. It's got mm -hmm. rising returns on capital and equity. It's got a good balance sheet, rising operating margins. Uh, as e-commerce grows and takes share, uh, FedEx grows and takes share. It's displacing people driving to the store uh, themselves, and that's going to continue worldwide. Why wouldn't this be a one? What does it take to be a one? Uh, I don't know, I but I am I am a yeah. bit I'm, I yeah. am struck. I got to tell you with uh, the amount of insider selling that's oh, been insider going selling, on in huh? the last year is kind of an interesting oh. uh, observation. Okay, you know they're well, not they're not supposed well, to. Oh, do we like it or, uh, or yeah? No, oh, I I, okay. I, think, I sort of feel like a two. Well, what, <laughs> you what think I'm going to two is right. Well, it, the point is that. I like UPS better. Ah, okay. okay. Even though it's showing a higher PE. So, I, yeah, I like FedEx. I mean, this looks pretty good. Well, UPS could more easily displace the post office simply because its name is so similar. Most people might not even notice. <laughs> might not even notice. <laughs> I'm sure, that it I happened. wouldn't. <laughs> you know what the name of the company is, don't you? United Parcel Service of America Inc. That's pretty close. Is what it was originally. So, <clears throat> except uh, they're profitable, unlike uh, yeah. Their this one's, This is more like twenty times. Um, the uh, free cash flow. Ooh, okay, well, better that's than expensive. the thirty at FedEx. And uh, my my PE at twenty versus seventeen. Well, I've got almost two percent yield here, versus almost none versus almost none at federal uh, at FedEx. Those are good points. And okay. that basically equalizes the PE, right? Um, this business earns operating margins north of fifteen yeah. percent and have been very <clears throat> stable, not up and down. Uh, return on capital running around 20% yeah. higher. Um, and uh, instead of operating, this is an interesting comparison. You know, I'm talking about displacing the post office, right? And you're talking about a lot of investment assets by FedEx. Absolutely. They're up to 45,000 ground vehicles, 670 aircraft. UPS has 100 fewer aircraft, 
Uh, but 98,000 ground vehicles, well, twice sure. as many, man. Sure. The infrastructure. The story on FedEx has to be that they place. get as big as UPS and get the economies of scale that they have and that their margins and returns continue to rise toward that level, which says, would mean uh, they grow faster. Says That's, here, this company also has a very clean uh, balance sheet, almost squeaky clean. Net debt is nearly zero. says here UPS is going to buy back stock. So we like them both, to yeah. your point before. But... United Parcel Service looks like the better of the two. Um, okay. And then just for kicks, we we revisited a name that uh, we've looked at in the past, Southwest Airlines. Um, the stock's around 16. Uh, hasn't been able to break out of like a 17 to 19 range for highs in the last three or four years. Earnings are not depressed. I mean, this is a great company. They execute fabulously well. Revenue growth around 10%. They got margins in the mid-teens, um, although they're an airline, okay? And uh, Value Line says that their 2006 fuel needs are 70% hedged at $36 a barrel. Unfortunately, here there's nothing here about how they're hedged for 07 or 08. Uh, we could have a, a pretty significant expense issue here and at some of the other airlines coming up. Those aren't real um, businesses. They're just something to put oil in, and you know why not just buy the the commodity? Well, uh, it's, I, yeah, it, it is know. it's the perfect commodity, yeah. and. Uh, that's why long-term net profits for the entire industry are, uh, in its cumulatively, in its history, are, are still negative. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so with that, you know, that's that's the airline industry. We we like to play the airline industry by avoiding the airlines in it exactly. and uh, going after uh, service providers that <clears throat> leech off of them. Basically. There's easier ways to make money than owning an airline. Yeah. So let's say, you know, a good way a lot of people have made money in the past is with IPOs. There's an interesting IPO in the news recently, Burger King Holdings, huh. a venerated name in fast food. Um, talk about the you know, king an of burgers. This is, I mean, people don't, I don't realize that part of the great American productivity story is the uh, proliferation of fast food readily available in the front seat of your car, so that you can actually get rid of that, you know, that task of eating lunch while you're doing something else, like running an errand or something. Well, yeah, you have more time to work and if more you time take to less work. time to eat. Obviously. More time to work. Absolutely. Between, you know, whereas Europeans, they're they sleep and they have parties and that they may do be all the entire American advantage the you the disclosed on the show right uh, now. Burger King Holdings. Hope so the French aren't listening. The, the in. symbol they went far is BKC. Value Line's actually not rating it because it's too new of an issue. Uh, post deal, I guess we're ninety percent debt uh, with about one point two three billion of net debt. Uh, revenue annually around two billion, so a lot of debt. Did I mention that they have a lot uh -huh. of leverage? And how much uh, organic food do they have uh, on the menu? <laughs> Eighteen times cash flow, uh, forty-nine times earnings. I think so, they're bucking a lot of trends you know, right now. Uh, they're showing that earnings. Uh, Value line saying earnings could double basically five years out. Go from around forty, forty-five cents now to eighty-five cents then. Yeah. But with all this leverage and debt. Um, I wondered if uh, operating margin maybe was going to go up a lot over that period of time or something, and they have a point of margin growth. So um, while it's not in here clearly, um, uh, deleveraging has a lot to do with the earnings growth that they're forecasting. Uh, return on capital in, in the mid single digits going higher maybe. Uh, went public at 17. It's up about 10% from there. But as Val so uh, insightfully pointed out, uh, this is the uh, this is the burger franchise uh, brand, if you will, 
that proudly is simply trying to come up with new world record size burgers in terms of menu diversification. It seems like it's and, running counter to some things like some, uh, uh, less well, uh, health focus, <laughs> focused on the healthy eating trend. Yeah. So how about Wendy's that is uh, symbol W-E-N. Value line rates them four, doesn't like them. Uh, stock's done very well, up around 60 within 10% of a historic high. Uh, 26 times earnings, so like a 50% premium to the market. They make nice margins, but return on capital is only around 10%. 15 times cash flow. I guess they're struggling. They just IPO'd part of Tim Hortons, so now they don't get all the all the profits don't belong to them. That makes some of the numbers non-comparable. Uh, they did launch a deli meat sandwich line, and Value Line says strong initial response but then says uh, tracking below our initial targets, which I would assume would be very similar to management's targets because how would you have a different view? Yeah. Um, so I, the launch, I guess, uh, hasn't gone all that great. <clears throat> so to pay a premium for this, um, it doesn't seem to make sense to me. Uh, but on the other hand, I do got, I have a good stock for you here also. Now this one rated three, a little better. Uh, we agree with value line only. We think it's a lot better and it comes back to a theme that you hear us talk about a lot. And that's uh, being able to buy really good, very valuable brands that would cost billions of dollars to replicate in terms of uh, name recognition. Uh, and that's McDonald's, symbol MCD. Um, and you know, if we can get them when they're less troubled and seem to be straightening out some historic problems, we talked about that when we talked about Disney. Um, well, these I'm, guys have health issues too. I'm just wondering. You know, they, they seem to be the most responsive of the chains we've to changing. A, uh, we've seen a significant tastes. expansion of chicken right. sandwich offerings mm -hmm. on their menu. Right. They have several very fancy salads. Yeah, yeah. They just added another one. Well, They've yeah. taken their coffee up market. Yeah. Yeah. And they're also regionally testing a deli sandwich. They've got offer. fabulous locations, and they seem to be using their information and they, and they to sell drive product that, that people want. And they sell something consumers prize especially in this market when you're talking about food and there's a great deal of concern about health generally and I, I guess contamination and that's that they sell consistency. Now some people hate them for it. Some people will never go there because they think the food is consistently bad for them. But um, well, they're trying to change They're that. trying to change that and they've got an awful lot of when you've got uh, 20 plus billion in revenue, you've got a lot of money you can spend on that. The other thing that's happening here is they're in the process of reducing their restaurant ownership which means that if they can maintain most of the profit stream while they significantly reduce their asset investment, return on capital goes up, and that's what it looks like we're going to see. Um, Value Line's talking about getting back to the mid-teens. So we like, we like McDonald's out of the restaurant group. We like Sabre Holdings out of uh, business services. Uh, and we like the airlines, United Parcel Service and FedEx. We like UPS better because... Uh, they're going to win. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to my uh, my mentor in masquerade, oh. Val Hughes. Get it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Let's have our beverage break now. Oh, Thanks for break. listening, everybody. Yeah. Clink. Clink. Okay. I just have a Starbucks cup tonight. All right. I'm a little sleepy. This is Val. And so I don't know that I'm going to go on. I have a lot. This was actually a decent week. Uh, when I look through here, there were really quite a few stocks to choose from. A lot of transportation this week, uh, and, uh, you know, there's some interesting things in there. But let me try to focus in on a few things. Um, trucking. It's, uh, you know, Vern talked about air, 
a little bit. Trucking's the next on their list. And a couple things about trucking. We're up against some pretty easy comparisons. The general consensus on trucking, I think, is, you know, why would you own a trucker this late in the cycle? I thought that about a year ago myself. But when you look at what's going on to the economics, um, first of all, we're getting a lot of easy comparisons due to really tough uh, year last year, particularly Katrina, a weak fourth quarter, GDP that's going to be easy to beat this year. A lot of things like that are going to be coming up the second half of the year that will sort of be a natural uh, push on demand, uh, comparisons particularly. And then uh, in addition to that, it appears the industry, despite uh, the pundits talking about growing capacity and value lines talking about capacity entering the marketplace as well, um, all the major carriers are really holding the line on capacity. Uh, in part because they don't want to get caught with a bunch of excess capacity like they did last time. But also you may have been reading about driver shortages. So there's no, you know, that's why... The, that's add, the true limitation on yeah, the Yeah, it really growth. is. Why add a bunch of drivers if, or trucks if you, if you don't have, have drivers? The other thing that's come in is the credit uh, requirements. It used to be in the last cycle that there were a lot of guys on the road, uh, ch you know, truckers changing from a sort of paper-based, information-based, a lot of excess, uh, you know, drivers, and they started just buying their own trucks. No money down, you own a truck, and uh, that got a lot of folks in trouble. And so there seems to be a lot more discipline this time around on that kind of, uh, you know, mom-and-pop trucking uh, business. They're getting good pricing now. They're not only getting price increases sort of per mile, but they're also getting, uh, on top of that, surcharges for fuel. And in many cases, the fuel's hedged on top of that. So uh, they've learned how to get price increases by carving up price into little pieces and selling each one independently. Uh, while hedging costs. That seems to be working. So uh, they're all doing pretty well. It's not as good as it was a year or two ago. But uh, I also think you have this constant concern about the recession that's around the bend. And uh, as we've pointed out here before, since Ronald Reagan lowered uh, capital gains taxes and income taxes uh, rates in 1981, we've had 96% uh, growing uh, GDP months 4% shrinking. So sitting around guessing a recession is probably not as uh, valuable as just finding good businesses. So uh, trucking, I think, looks better or is better than it looks. I took a couple here this week. Both Werner Enterprises and Swift are terrific companies. are trading at discounts to the market. Uh, they've got improving rates of return, etc. So, uh, you know, you could probably own those. Uh, the one I really like, I actually uh, I printed these uh, value lines this week and I forgot to bring it is J.B. Hunt. So I want to tell you a little bit about J.B. Hunt, and I think you should own it. It's, this is uh, going to be extemporaneous. It is going to be completely well, extemporaneous. I need to put on my seatbelt. Oh, Hold on. Please do. I'm going to try to take 30 Ooh. seconds or less. It's J.B. Hunt, J.B.H.T. Uh, it trades a little more expensive than these, uh, these stocks, uh, Werner and Swift. It's still at a discount. Um, most they, they apparently rated a two. I can get that oh, they off do. The, okay. Uh, well, then the maybe that's the cat's out of the bag. Page two seventy. But something that J.B. Hunt has that the other truckers don't. So it's a little monopoly inside the trucking industry. Is about a third of their business is in effect a uh, logistics manager for a business called Intermodal, where you're freight is really traveling on train and receiving the price associated with being on a train, which is about 30% less than truck. But J.B. Hunt and all their friendly marketing people and logistics people are handling the front end 
so you don't have to deal with the railroad that has no idea how to get anything anywhere exactly at the time you might want it. So uh, and they're known for that, and, and they take pride <laughs> in it. But uh, but but so J.B. Hunt has this deal that's unbelievable, and it cannot be replicated in the industry. It was just gone to court. It's one of the reasons J.B. Hunt was under some pressure in the market, but it was resolved. For every shipment that goes intermodal, J.B. Hunt splits the revenue with Burlington Northern, uh, and it's 53% Burlington Northern, 47% J.B. Hunt. They handle about 5% of the mileage, and they get 47% of the revenue. This little piece of J.B. Hunt earns 40% returns on capital. It's the uh, segment that's receiving the most attention on a capital spending basis, so incremental capital is going into the highest return segment. They're holding back on expanding their, uh, you know, sort of at large trucking business, not expanding that at all. And they have a dedicated business that if a good customer like Walmart wants a few more trucks, they'll buy them and dedicate them to that business. It's a rising ROI model. The street doesn't really appreciate it yet simply because in the last two cycles, J.B. Hunt's investment in this intermodal business was swamping their market share and the size of that business, so it actually hurt them on the downside in the last two cycles. That's not going to be the case this time. There's pricing, uh, there's market share gains, and J.B. Hunt can easily weather a cycle if that's what the market's worried about. They paid off all their debt in the last four years. They're generating enormous free cash flow. I don't have the sheet here, but uh, it's these companies are on the order of five times free cash flow, Warner and Swift, and Hunt's a similar type of situation with no debt, high returns on capital. Uh, that's one I really like. Now let me move along railroad industry. A lot of the same dynamics as trucking, except better because... Uh, they can move freight a mile uh, with cheaper fuel costs. So with rising fuel costs, there's a big advantage. A railroad is actually gaining share on trucks for the first time, I think, since trucks were invented, which goes back a long way. Railroads just got the first increase in price per mile in over 100 years, and I'm not kidding, ladies and gentlemen. I've looked this up. So the it's, a, it's a long cycle business, it you're is. saying. Okay. Railroads, well, there was a lot of overcapacity in like 1890, and they've had to work it off until now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's absolutely true. All the, There's only a couple companies now. Price is on their side, and cost is on their side, and there's a and huge... And we're thinking that this might last for it's two gonna, or three decades, well, I guess, know, right? It's going to last a while because rail's getting their act together a little bit. I want to focus on one name in the group. Uh, it's uh, Burlington Northern, BNI. Uh, Burlington Northern at Santa Fe, actually, they merged. And so they're they're one of the top couple rails. I think they may be number one in terms of length. Uh, it, uh, Doesn't it say? Well, it says one of the largest. Okay. Value line. One of the largest uh, with 32,000 miles of track. That's a lot. And, you know, they also had the Southern Pacific that combined with the Santa Fe. There's a lot of history in railroad. I had a railroad map on my wall early in my career that somebody sent me. It's pretty cool I stuff. But one of the things Burlington has that's, again, a, we like little monopolies and little niches, as we talked about with J.B. Hunt, this little gem inside there. Burlington Northern has a little gem, and it's called the only track that goes into the Powder River Basin. Well, the Powder River Basin in Wyoming is where some enormously big amount of coal is. I think it's like 50% of the coal mined in the north northern hemisphere comes out of the spot. I think, I think it's, it's like enough coal to heat. Uh, the United States for the next 4,000 years. It's a lot of coal, and they own the tracks. Now, a year ago, these tracks caught on fire, 
And, uh, you know, bad. fortunately, no one was harmed. <laughs> but uh, it slowed down traffic, and it made comparisons last year for Burlington a little tough. Uh, and so uh, that's coming up on an easier time. Their returns are rising. This is a 30% margin business, uh, operating margin. Returns on capital are moving from the, you know, single digits forever into the low teens. And this is a trend I think that's going to continue as the railroad industry finally meets the computer industry. And I think that's been a recent phenomenon. That's, that's just a rumor. <laughs> no, well, it, I think it's showing up in the numbers right now. Okay. Uh, it's trading at 11% discount. Uh, they've got uh, fuels pretty hedged for next year, a third. But again, they are advantage to the trucks anyway. Good earnings comps coming up. Uh, balance sheet's in pretty decent shape, 40% at the cap, although seven times coverage. So that's one I'd really look at, Burlington Northern. I just own a little of that, even though the stock's done real well. A um, couple other things I just want to point out in transportation. I've covered these stocks. This Co is like transportation week. Yeah, they, they have the, the uh, maritime as well, which I'm not doing, but OMI, you know, OMI looks interesting, just you as know, an and aside. They, they, and Value Line likes Kirby, yeah. which a lot of other people Now, uh, just a couple stocks. I love this company, but I just want to do a service and just say, you know, just wait for a better price. Expeditors, EXPD, uh, you know, this stock is, uh, it's an unbelievably great company, but it's at 40 it's times earnings. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, 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 the market cap is bigger than the value of Ecuador right now. And so we have to step aside. It's 42 times earnings. Uh, it does earn 25% on capital, but, uh, you but know. But it doesn't have the Galapagos Islands. Yeah, and on, on a yield basis now, it's a 2% yield on earnings. Even if you see 10% growth, it's a 12% return stock. Uh, and the price alone, the multiple is a little bit risky. Uh, and I'd say uh, double that for C.H. Robinson. Uh, Value Line has both of these stocks rated one. And I think, you know, they're great companies. And if one means great company, Stock, I'd agree. Both but stocks the stocks are expensive. You can, you can get a better price on them. Yeah. Uh, moving along, uh, you know, I, I had, uh, I was torn this week about what to talk about. But uh, I came upon a couple things in the information services industry. Now, if you know, if you listen to the show, you know we like uh, trends and trench trends and things like that. And I don't know about you, but I think this computer thing, it's here to stay, information services. When I look at the uh, performance chart on information services, which is on page 374 this week, it's uh, completely flat for five years, information services. Uh, you know, which is helping bring productivity to the masses of the globe. Yeah, unless I'm mistaken, it's the faster growing, you know, it's the other half of the economy. This is the one that's growing. Well, look, it's not performing. It's that's one of those industries not. that as they help everyone else, it actually erodes their own percentage of GDP. But uh, they are, I think, uh, the last few years, they've, they've been hindered by a surge in information services and information technology that came around the time of Y2K. And, you know, we've talked about this, the crisis that never occurred except what? in some what island off the coast of Chile. <laughs> what, do you, what do you suppose the environment would be like after a year when everybody upgraded all at one time? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> They're but, living through it now. Uh, you know, so th there's, uh, there, the, the performance here has not been great. But I think you can pick and choose a few things. So I just went in and looked at a couple of stocks by Value Line here. One was Equifax, ticker EFX. They rate it four, but it's trading at uh, a market multiple. Uh, it's trading at about 12 times cash flow, which I don't particularly like. But the nice thing is, listen to this. They've got Value Line estimates $2.95 in cash flow next year, but only $0.15 cents a share in capital spending. So, uh, 
you know, a lot of what they do is already expensed. It's software design and things like that that, you know, they don't have so to capitalize. Like 12 times free so, uh, yeah, 12 times. Or 14. 14, whatever. yeah. yeah okay. And they got 36% margins. They've got a return on capital that's in the high teens. They can uh, be leveraged. Some. The value line text here, if you get into it here, and I'm just, I don't know the stock at all. I just am learning about it here for the first time. But uh, it looks like everything's going well. Well, it's a credit report company, right? Well, here's what they do. They It's global commerce. They enable and secure global <laughs> I commerce. Buy a share they do everything. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They are. They got their hands everywhere. Global commerce. They're the through, grease that makes the global yeah, economy That's what. Work. That's what they do. Information management, consumer credit, marketing services, business information, authentic. Wait a minute. we got to pay them right now for this show. <laughs> They're doing everything. So I'm just thinking you get a piece of e-commerce with these guys. You get it at a market multiple. Uh, every business and they make good money. They make good money. Every business they have, according to Value Line, is great. I don't see a negative word about the company here, and all of a sudden it's like untimely Equifax shares have about average three to five year appeal. <laughs> I mean, everything's going well, and uh, it's trading at a market multiple. The mo the balance sheet is decent. It's uh, thirty five percent at the cap. Yeah, but I like to see a little bit of leverage because you can get the uh, you can get the benefit in the equity over time in a positive free cash flow model. By them simply paying off the debt, if and, nothing else, well, besides the organic well, growth. You know, of I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because that's exactly what they've been doing. They've been paying mm -hmm. down debt. Uh, you know, you you got to imagine that buybacks are you know will right. come too. They've done so some I'm of that. So I'm gonna get it one way or the other. So I'm Equifax. I'm a fan. That's a good idea. Uh, let me move along. Dun and Brad, DNB, Value Line rates at two, and you know. I don't always like to be on their side on these valuation things because it probably means there's a pretty good chart, which I don't tend to like. But in this case, it's not much above a market multiple. Dun & Brad uh, broke off uh, you know, into two pieces, one of which was uh, Dun & Brad, and of course, and I think the other one was... Uh, no, it wasn't Equifax, no, was it? No, 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 it was Moody's, which Moody's. had the rating. Oh, right. Uh, and Moody's is uh, you know 26 times earnings, 42% relative PE premium, and uh, we know the bond thing is going the other way with rising interest rates. So I'd back away from Moody's, which was the half of D&B that, you know, that did the bond ratings. Dun & Brad, they do the credit reports. And uh, in a world of rising credit and concern about credit, uh, there's apt to be an increase in credit reports, not to mention the fact that an increasing amount of commerce is e-commerce, which you know, requires credit reports because you don't know the people or meet the people personally. And this thing looks like it has a decent valuation, operating margins rising toward 30%. It's coming from a deficit equity position from the spin-out from Dun & Brad, and then they reacquired the name. So they're just about to turn positive in uh, in equity. Returns on capital are running as well, a result. It's going gonna, it's gonna to suddenly, is there market cap here? How much? It's a five billion. This is going to start screening well institutionally on the switch in equity. Yeah, it's going to and turn. And that will only get better, right? It's going to turn positive. They've managed to have a negative working capital model, which will drive good returns on capital for a yep. long time. Yep. So it's eighty percent return on capital now. That's yeah. not a tiny base. That's going to grow. But these guys might sort of smooth out around twenty twenty-five percent returns on capital. There's no reason to With think those kinds of operating. There's no reasons to think they moderate. won't get to uh, where Moody's uh, ultimately will get. Yeah, you know, they, both these companies are. No Heading toward 30, no 40 capital percent. spending required. So uh, it's a little—it's—it's uh, it's, you know—it's it's a little idea called Dun and Brad DNB. I take a look at that. Uh, what else do I have this week? I think uh, I think I just have one other thing, uh, and that would be—I uh, looked through the restaurants, and you know, I eat out, so you can't help but notice that. 
And most of these things, I think, are a little bit faddish, like a movie, you know, and themes go in and out, and restaurants go in and out. But, uh, you know, one of these, I'd point out, IHOP, ticker IHP, has a little different model. They have uh, moved toward really a service model. They're, they don't own as much of their real estate anymore, and that's allowed them to get a much more consistent uh, return on equity and also drive a lot more cash flow without a need for capital spending because they've gone to a model where the franchisee builds out the builds out the store so uh, as they move toward a royalty model uh, they're gonna have I think a, a, a much better uh, free cash flow picture That's exactly the same thing we were talking about with McDonald's earlier yeah I think I think that these guys may be a little further along oh, McDonald's sure. has that well, opportunity and, ahead of them and McDonald's doesn't intend to do yeah. it as widely yeah. as I so have, as. Uh, you know it's it's trading at a slight premium to the market uh, their balance sheet is, is uh, you know, not great, but not horrible. There's a lot of leases involved, and that's why that they're rolling out of as they transition the properties. But uh, this is one I like, and I would put that away. Now, uh, I also just would note Starbucks, which I can't help but note is 47 times earnings. The chart is straight up, and I'd back away from this one. I can't help but comment on how expensive this looks. I don't short stocks, but I'd back away and look for a better price. And I think uh, that may be... Uh, that may be all I have this week, uh, Vern. Over so soon. Yeah. No. I, yeah, I, I know. I'd like it to go on and on. But, well, we'd like to thank everybody for joining us this week as we uh, looked at the June 9 issue of the Value Line Investment Survey and uh, gave you uh, some of our favorite ideas uh, covered uh, in a you know, pretty, uh, what, transport and eating-oriented uh, week yeah, for Value Line. perfect. So go eat something and transport yourself uh, safely, and we'll... Talk to you again next Bye, week. Bye, everybody.